0: The Hockey Game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old Hockey Game. And here we go, line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblowski and John Moraski teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. He's, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. We're getting closer, he reaches in. Right, right, right. He's not that He's just for Still Grimson. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Ben and Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. Wayne oh, Dicker. He absolutely decked him tight with a wild right. The oh. sheer staggering by a big left hand oh. by Wayne Beal. Chris Nilan on a penalty shot. Scores. Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard palms away. Scores. Five minutes to go. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys five minutes each for fighting. This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and thank you very much for tuning in to episode number 76 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Today, we got no guests today. I know I've been delayed getting this episode out. Uh, we're actually going to go over the uh, tough guys who I feel should have their number retired by certain respective franchises. Uh, so we'll get into that here in a bit. But again, I apologize, I'm late getting this out. Um, You know, I I brought this up. I think I've brought this topic up a couple times just to see kind of answers from everybody. Um, And I I think I got a pretty solid list here. So like I said, we'll get into that. But been house hunting uh, as some of you saw on Twitter. And if you're watching the video, you can see my beautiful finger here. I decided to play chicken with a kitchen knife and I ended up losing that battle. So uh, three stitches later and an urgent care visit. We are here back at home with three stitches on the finger. This bandage should come off, I think, today. It's fucking annoying right now, but um, no. So yeah, that's uh, that was a lot of fun. But we've been house hunting. So after work some days, uh, instead of doing podcasts, we're trying to go find houses. And boy, let me tell you, the market is something else right now. Um, it's tough. It is tough. So the search continues. We put an offer on one. We did not get the house, unfortunately, but um, hopefully the time is coming for us to actually move into a house so I could actually set this up. This is like my very, very minimalist setup of the podcast room. Cause I don't want to unpack all the shit just to repack it and throw it back in the containers and move it somewhere else to a house, hopefully. But, um, like I said, if you're watching the video, if you're, this is your, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my, all I have in this room up are the five for fighting podcast sign back here. And then the, oh it's back here, the Bush uh, beer mirror. That's actually from like 1978, something pretty. It's really old. It's really cool. Um, Sierra's cousin, my, my wife's cousin, uh, gave it to me and it was his dad's. His dad collected a bunch of beer memorabilia. So that was really cool to get. Um, I know, oh, stupid bush, blah, 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 but no, that mirror's fucking awesome. Uh, I'll, I might be buried with that thing, honestly, but <laughs> no, I kid, so thank you, uh, everybody, for kind of bearing with me here. Like I said, I, I think it was last episode, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, uh, be much more consistent with scheduling and having a podcast out, and what do I do? <laughs> Inconsistent, and I don't get a podcast out, so um, yeah, the name of the game, I'll live it up to the part-time only... Um, You know, nickname given to me by old Darren at the fourth line voice, which we'll talk about him here in just a second. But um, no, thank you guys. If you're a returning listener, I appreciate it. If you are a new listener, I hope you stick around. I hope you enjoy the content. Uh, And, you know, if you don't, at least you at least you gave it a try. And thank you for at least uh, giving it the old college try. So. Um, But before we go any further, of course, I got to mention the Five for Fighting podcast is a proud member of Six Pack uh, Coverage. Six Pack Coverage is a media group based out of Nashville covering anything, whether it's sports, fitness, travel, health, food, uh, colleges, uh, university happenings. They got it all. So um, I encourage you to go check out Six Pack Coverage. Uh, I recently signed on with them. I say recent. Now it's almost a year at this point. So, um, yeah, that's crazy to even think about. But, yeah, back in December. So, uh, well, half a year, right? Whatever. But. I encourage you to go check that out. The link to all their stuff will be down in the description of this episode. Um, and whatever platform you're on Spotify, iTunes, I include all the links to that stuff. Um, same with the podcast, social media. So, excuse me. Um, so, yes, please go check out Six Pack Coverage and also please go check out Fourth Line Voice Darren over there. Does a great job at the Fourth Line Voice as much as he gives me shit And I know he's going to give me shit about my my Five for Fighting podcast Taiwanese massage parlor <laughs> sign. Um but uh no, Darren does a good job. He's actually just had on uh Alex Penner, Mike Segroy, former guest of the Five for Fighting show too. Segroy, tremendous interview. I mean like Segroy, it's all you got to do is hit record and Sigroy is just fucking content. Awesome dude. Um so great interviews there. He just did a Bob Probert tribute episode for the recent anniversary of Bob Probert's, uh, passing. Um, what was it? What was it? 2000, 2012, 2011. I think I could be wrong. Um, I listened to that one a couple, my brain's so scrambled. I'm sorry guys. I've been all over the damn place. And on top of that, and I'll get, I'll get into it. My brain is scrambled just from trying to set this episode up, but I'll get to that in a second. And it's going to be another segue. So, um, but, nonetheless, go check out Darren over at The Fourth Line Voice. He does a great job, tremendous back catalog. Uh, well, now Mike Segroy. he's got uh, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedaranko, Clark Wilm, Dan Kopek Chris Waltz. I mean, some tough, tough customers on that show. Um, it's funny, one day I actually want to do this. Um, I want to add up the penalty minute totals between... My show, Darren's, and Joe's. Well, speaking of Joe, he just did uh, an episode. I know he was retired, but he did all the research for it. And so I get why he wanted to get the content out there 100%. Uh, you know, I, he's kind of put the podcast on the back burner. And he's not completely done, but he's basically not putting out content regularly. And, uh, you know, life gets in the way. I totally understand. It's been that way for me the past three weeks. So um, <laughs> totally get it, dude. But he actually put out an Eric Cairns, uh, I think it was a top 10 Eric Cairns fight. Episode, I think. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, I'm about to do all my catching up this week because my coworker goes out of town. So I will be all over North Carolina this week. So that is when I I saved a couple of of Darren's episodes and Joe's episode for the commute. But uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box podcast, just did the episode with uh, Eric, not with Eric Cairns, but talking about the top 10 Eric Cairns fights. But he was an Islander uh, enforcer podcast and covered all things Islanders. you know, so whether they were in the big club, the ECHL, AHL, and he even covered a couple – I think a fighter from the – is it the Riptide, I think? That's the Indoor Lacrosse League out there in Long Island. So um, Joe got it all, right? So uh, please go check out Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. I don't know whether he's not – excuse me. I know he's not coming out with some new content. Uh, well, I say that as he just came out with the Eric episode. But um, he's not coming out with any new content regularly, I should say. But I encourage you, if you have not listened to his show, go check it out. Tremendous back catalog with him as well. Jason Strudwick, Aaron Asham, Trevor Gillies, um, Eric Bolton. That's g- some great stuff over there from Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. But uh, with those out of the way, I'll get into kind of the episode here for... Damn, this fucking thing's annoying. Sorry. It's this damn finger wrap gauze. I'm about to just take it off for this. It's all loose and stuff. I've had, I've had to keep it on so the dog doesn't bite it. Little fucking puddles, as Darren calls it. Gates the puppy. Uh, looks at it, if you can see on the video. it Kind of looks like a little, like a white mouse almost. So he's just fucking chewing at it. You can see lovely little stitches there. Very small. Um, but I'm just going to, it's, it's got to air it out. It just feels nasty. Um, but anyways, so as you can tell by this episode, it is the uh, guys who I feel I don't how many people do I have I was trying to do it a top 10 but I felt like I was gonna leave some out so I did let's see here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen 11 twelve 13 14 15 16 seventeen 18 guys with two honorable mentions so basically a top 20 um, honestly and my honorable mentions yet you probably got a case for actually doing the retirement for those guys so which I will get to those guys last of course but basically what I was going to do for this episode was as, as what I have down for the guys is I broke down how many seasons they played for uh, each franchise. So uh, the parameters for this are kind of loose. Cause with tough guys, it's, it's not like, you know, I can say, Oh, they, they, they had to play 10 seasons. You know, it's uh tough guys didn't last on teams that long. Typically, uh, you know, you get them for three seasons, four seasons. Like when I did, when I took the kind of like the poll or the general consensus for this episode, asking, you know, who do you feel should have their number retired? And, Uh, you know, why blah, blah, blah. I actually, a lot of the answer was Stu Grimson it was like, Oh, you got to retire Grimson's number. And I said, okay, like with what franchise though? And that's where he's like, Oh man, yeah, you're, you're right. I don't, I don't really know what franchise I'd retire him for. I said, if anything, it'd probably have to be Anaheim because I think it was parts of like four seasons with Anaheim. Um, I think the least amount of seasons played here I have are, is it five? No, it's six. It's six seasons. Um, So, and I think actually the very one of the honorable mentions um, played the same amount. I think it was like a five or six seasons. So um, that the parameter was basically like five seasons or more, kind of. Um, and the general impact that they had for that franchise, because um, I didn't want to just throw anybody in there just for the sake, like, oh, you played on the team. Like I feel like they had to mean a lot to the franchise. Uh, now, if they were almost like a franchise player, then it's a little bit different, but um, – like you can make an argument probably for probert being on Detroit and Chicago, an argument for him to have his number retired for both. But I thought he was uh, much more impactful for Detroit. So, uh, surprise, surprise. That'll be the number one pick here in a second. So, uh, spoiler alert, but, um, yeah, so I was going to actually do, uh, how many fights they had for each franchise. And as I was going through HockeyFights.com, as we all know, I'm not the biggest fan of HockeyFights.com. It's the, right now, the only fight database and, um, as I'm going through, I started doing I enemies. Mean, it it's, it's. I won't say it's a lot of work, but I mean, it's, it's just um, tedious because you got to go through. And if they got traded halfway, you've got okay, how many fights did he have before he got traded that season? So you got to go back through, tally up all the totals. And I was including uh, postseason numbers as well, so I was including the postseason fights because technically that's still a fight for the franchise. So um, I was doing that. But as I was going through, I could just tell some of it was missing. Um, once I got about, th- like, eh, probably quarter of the way through. I was like, man, this uh, I feel like this is off, like something just wasn't adding up. And for one of the guys I know for sure, like if there's not a fight card, I just, uh, some of the stuff but if it's really early, um it's not going to it's just not there, and it's just the way history goes with keeping uh, the archives of fight cards and everything like that. So, um typically anything late 80s is when everything kind of really starts, you know, um being taken like tra- like er- everything's taken uh, from the fight cards from then, like I think everything starts to get a little bit more accurate, but there's still onesies and twosies missing, and I can just tell adding it up. So I was like, oh, fuck this!" Like I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. And then, I, of course, because I would be like, you know, oh, Bob Probert had 100, you know, 24 fights for the Detroit Red Wings, and then somebody's, well, actually, you fucking idiot, he had 136 actually, and I, you know, I could just see it. Um, so I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm just not even. I'm not gonna be bothered with this. Um, <laughs> so I. Did away with that, but that leads me to my next point before, again, I know running long here before we get into the episode. eh, We're going on 11 minutes. Typically, I like to keep the intros at about 10 minutes, but um, that leads me into the um, Fight Chronicles website that Steve is running. Uh, For those longtime listeners, you know I brought it up a while back. It was the revival or the attempted revival and the GoFundMe for bringing back dropyourgloves.com. And for any fight fans out there, you know, Drop Your Gloves was the Bible for hockey fights. I don't care what people say about HockeyFights.com or whatever. Drop Your Gloves was, bar none, the best hockey fight website for sure. But unfortunately, the owner of the site just decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And instead of passing it to somebody else and asking if somebody wanted to buy it, he just shut it down. And all of us bitched and moaned, saying how much we missed it, blah, blah, blah. Well, Steve actually took matters into his own hands. Started fund GoFundMe and had a decent amount of donations. It really fizzled out. It was starting off strong, and I was really disappointed with how much it fizzled out. Because um, all it, uh, like I said, in the Enforcer Appreciation Group, when Drop Your Gloves went down, I remember how many people were bitching about it. And, you know, there was like 12,000 members in there. If everybody gave a fucking dollar, it would have been the goal. So it was like, you know, shit like that's annoying, but. Because, again, these same people, oh, I wish Drop Your Gloves is back. Well, here's your chance to bring it back. But um, everything is coming to fruition, and I think they're doing a test run on the website right now. Uh, get a hold of Steve. Uh, for those wondering who that might be, uh, it is winprobertwasking.com. He ran the website. It's winprobertwasking.com on Facebook and Twitter as well so you can check it out you can message him he'll i think he'll shoot you an admin code and you can go start searching the website and you know i i don't want the expectations to be it's going to be exactly like drop your gloves like everything's going to be back like no that's not how it is there that was a lot of years and miles put on that website and people helping out to get the fight cards of these guys so um you got to you got to crawl before you walk and you got to walk before you run right so it's it's going to be it's not going to be drop your gloves right off the bat so I, I don't want people to go in there with that expectation so um uh, but please get a hold of steve you can test run test drive the the database there and start kind of looking around and seeing what it's going to be like and make suggestions you know hey I, this could be better and because steve's still he's still with um I forget his name, but so the guy who's designed the website, because he's paying somebody to design the website, um, and code everything, I would assume, all that fancy shit that I have no clue what's going on. Um, but yeah, so make some suggestions, and give it a try, and like I said, you know, give it, give it a year or two. It'll be fucking solid, I guarantee it, because if there's anybody who would be the prime candidate to run a hockey fight website, it is Steve, so um, please go check out uh, excuse me. Check out that website. I'll Actually, you know what? I'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast. So um, if you want to check it out, go ahead and give it a click. I'll go back. And while I'm editing this afterwards, I'm going to include that link in there so you can uh, check out the website. But without further ado... Oh, Jesus. These stitches are sticky. Um, they're all sticky because it's got, like, you know, fucking God knows what on the medical shit. and ugh, Disgusting. Um, but... Without further ado, let's get into the actual episode here. So, as I was talking about, the enforcers who maybe should have their jersey retired. And I'm not saying they should be in the Hall of Fame, although I wish, I really wish there was. I used to do a little segment or segment, you know, a little poll in the Enforcer Appreciation Group asking who should have their, uh, who should be in a Hall of Fame if there was an Enforcer Hall of Fame. And, um, it was funny to see people who like didn't follow along with it. And I get asked all the time where probert was, but I think off the rip I inducted, um, I think the inaugural class of that or inaugural, um, candidates or whatever you want to call it was, it was Bob Probert, Dave Schultz, John Ferguson. And I can't remember. It was either Tiger Williams or Ty Domi. One of the two. I know what you're thinking. Well, Tiger Williams holds the all time penalty minute record. And well, Domi holds the all time fight record, so it's like, eh, which one which one do you weigh out more? So um no, I I kid. Um, you know, back and forth people would bullshit and well, where's Probert? And it's gonna be the same thing coming up with Darren and his uh Bob Probert invitational. So um but yeah, so I did that a while back and it was it was pretty fun. And then I got to thinking, I was like, you know, obviously they're never gonna get an Enforcer Hall of Fame. is just not going to happen. But I think something more likely to happen um, would be to have Enforcer jersey numbers retired. And, you know, you get everybody who gets the jersey numbers retired with goal scores. They, you know, get the, the sick passes, the goals, you know, the championships. And, of course, tough guys got championships too. That's not what I'm saying. But the guys who get the jersey retired are typically people, with you know, franchise point leaders, all-time goal scorers, all-time assist leaders in the franchise, stuff like that. So, um I feel like you do a disservice to the guys who protected those those goal scores and allowed them to get their jersey retired and be that franchise player because they were they had protection on the ice. So, um, I I really feel like there's a strong case for some of these dudes. There's there's some I'm actually really surprised that their their numbers aren't retired with the franchises. So, uh, but we will get it out of the way. As I mentioned before, off the rip, I already spoiled the number one pick, but that is Bob Probert with the Detroit Red Wings. So let me see here. Pull up the list. There we go. Scroll back up. So, did uh, Bob Probert with Detroit, he played eight seasons. Um, and have, I don't – do I really have to sell you on Bob Probert? I don't think so. But, you know, bad motherfucker, man. And he he was such a force. And everybody, not only just fans but former players, regard him as the greatest enforcer of all time. Because uh, he could put up points too. Bob would play a regular shift. But he'd beat the doors off of dudes at the same time, and um, you just don't see that. It's it's a unicorn. Like it's, the I, mean, I don't want to say Tom Wilson is fucking Bob Probert, but everybody at that time was looking for like a Bob Probert kind of how everybody today wants like a Tom Wilson on their team is kind of the comparison I'm trying to draw there. But um, I don't think I really need to sell fight fans here on Bob Probert, but nonetheless, actually, and like I said with with Bob, there's a really good ca- like a strong case you could make for him. Uh, for Chicago as well. But I went with him in Detroit because that was kind of his prime. That was when Probert's name was the biggest. Uh, you know, fights with Domi, his marathon with McSorley, the Crowder saga, Craig Cox. Has, I mean, talk about jumping off the deep end uh, with going into a, a fight with Craig Cox. And it's just a toe to toe war. And the, the two fights that they had um, were just slugfest. And Bob Probert was just. It's, it's hard to like, I don't, you'll, you won't ever see it again. A guy like that doing what he did in Detroit, you just won't see it. So, Bob Probert obviously is uh, numero uno of who I think should be, um, or excuse me, of who I think should have their jersey retired um, as a, with a franchise. It's always weird for me too, even though, um, you know, obviously I'm a little bit younger. I never got to see Bob Probert play. At least I don't think I did. I don't think I ever went to a Blackhawks game when I was really little. Uh, and if I did, I wouldn't remember it. So, yeah. Um, might as well never happen, but um, it's still weird for me today to see folks with or not folks, but you know, players on Detroit with number twenty four because that just looks odd to me. I feel like it's just always like it's got to be Bob Probert. It's always got to be the Probert nameplate on it, but it's it's not. So I, I really do feel like Bob Probert should have his number retired to Detroit. Um, and that can be said for all these guys that I'm going to go on here. But uh, when players and fans all agree that he was the best of all time. It's, uh, how do you not like that for your franchise? So, um, speaking to Detroit though, that comes to our next pick. And it was the guy who wrote shotgun for Bob Prober. And that's of course, Joe kosher, uh, Joey Kosher had 10 seasons in Detroit. Actually, it was after he came out of retirement to get those extra two seasons after playing, it uh, was it San Antonio, San Antonio dragons in the IHL. I think that's who it was. Um, but, yeah, so I mean, do I have to sell you on Joe Coaster, too? I mean, that right hand was just devastating. Uh, just an absolute cinder block. We saw what you did to, you know, Jim Kite and uh, guys like that with Link Gates. Somebody posted that fight earlier. And one, it's amazing Link Gates didn't go down. But two, the damage that Joe Coaster did to Link, um, you didn't see that often. Link did not get beat like that too often. So um, I don't think I really have to sell you guys on the Bruise Brothers of Detroit. But, Nonetheless, he did play more seasons in uh, than Probert, so you could almost make a bigger argument for Joe Coaster to have his number retired. Uh, So it would be cool to see the 24 and the 26 in the Raptors. Actually, it would almost be really cool to kind of see – I guess I'm throwing in my own honorable mention now off the top of my head, but Darren McCarty, you get 24, 25, and 26 – in the in the rafters, I mean that'd be that'd be pretty fucking cool. So uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen like that, but there you go, another dude. You got the the fight night, the Joe, Darren McCarty. That name is synonymous with Detroit hockey. Uh, all three of those names are really so. I mean, yeah, fuck it. I'll throw I'll throw I'll throw <laughs> Darren McCarty in there. We'll uh, make an argument for him too. So throw all three of those guys in there. Um, so number three though, well number four now if I just threw McCart- McCarty in there, but <laughs> number three. Is the original enforcer, John Ferguson. And uh, it was with Montreal. He spent his entire career with Montreal. And then he ended up doing, he coached with, uh, I think it was Winnipeg and one of the team. I can't think it of off the top of my head because it was kind of, it was way back. It was before my time, as they say. Um, but no, for folks who don't know who John Ferguson is, he's regarded as the very first ever enforcer uh, in hockey. He was the first one to be employed by a hockey team specifically to be a physical presence. And from all accounts of like hockey historians and everything like that, John Ferguson was the first one. And, uh, you know, he won Stanley cups at Montreal actually put up some ge- decent points too. off. The, I can't think of exact numbers off the top of my head, but I know he wasn't just, um, excuse me. he wasn't one dimensional out there. And, this was in a time, this was like, you know, 50s and 60s, so fighting was a little bit different then, but to be the first enforcer and spend eight seasons with Montreal, a lifer with the franchise, I think you should have your number retired. But that's just my opinion. Um, obviously, I don't have too much to say about John Ferguson because uh, he his fight card is... I don't know any of the guys on the fight card. His fight footage is very limited, but just for the fact that he was employed there to be a fighter and was the first enforcer and spent his entire career with Montreal. I feel like that's, that, that's, that says a little something about him. So, um, I do think he should retire, uh, John Ferguson's number. I mean, what, what's another number in the Montreal Raptors anyway? I think they got what, 11 or 14. So something, I think it's 14 now that I'm thinking about it. So what's another number up there anyways? Um, so the next one, and this one, I know has actually been a strong case to put him in the Ring of Honor, but that's Gino Ojik with uh, Vancouver. He's eight seasons in Vancouver, and um, what more can you say about Gino Ojik, right? And, and I, I know I, I'm talking, I'm going kind of fast here, um, but with I know with other fight fans, if you if you've watched all the fights and stuff, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, just Google guys or go on YouTube and check them out but Gino Ojic every time i think of ojic i think of when he was just running amok shirtless against uh st louis and just stirring the pot but uh there's been a big a big case from uh, vancouver fans cuz from my understanding, they have a Ring of Honor in the arena, and it's not so much a jersey number retirement, but you know, it's an it's an honor to Ring of Honor. Obviously, it's in the name, but you know, to you know, pay respects to that player. So I know there's, I think there's even a Twitter account called like Gino Ojic for Ring of Honor or something like that. So um he played eight seasons there, and every time I always like I almost forget he played anywhere else. Honestly. Um, but he played with, obviously, Montreal and uh, New York Islanders. But when I think of Gino Ogic, he's instantly Vancouver is all I think of. And it's like the same thing with Probert. When you think of Probert, do you really think of Probert in, in Chicago? So that should tell you kind of all you need to know. But, um, yeah, so I w- I'm down with some Gino Ogic in Vancouver. I, I would definitely be down to see his number retired. Um, the next one, and this one yeah, – I got an argument from a couple people of where he should be or should have his number retired, uh, and that's Marty McSorley. And you're probably guessing you're going to say Edmonton or LA. And I personally think it's going to be LA. He spent more time there. He spent eight seasons there, and I think that was really when he really came into his prime. And we saw, you know, Wayne Gretzky in the big trade, the blockbuster trade, biggest trade in NHL history. We saw him. Get traded to L.A., and who did he want to come along with him? Marty motherfucking McSorley. So that should tell you all you need to know. But, I mean, we all know Marty McSorley, and I know the the bad stuff of, you know, the the Brashear incident, and um, it's no, no secret that Marty McSorley was a little bit of a dirty guy, dirty player, but I don't know. In terms of enforcers, actually, I have him top three all time. And I'm not talking about fighting ability um, strictly just enforcing. Oh, uh, it's I, I actually, I think I might've even put him at number one. Um, him and Dave Brown are one a and one B for me. And that's because he's a dude who was willing to take suspensions and really cross a line. If he had to get his fucking point across and he was going to let you know it. And if you touched Wayne Gretzky, you were going to get it. And he allowed Wayne Gretzky to flourish in, Los Angeles when he went to the Kings and allowed Gretzky to you know do his thing and if anybody touched him you would fucking know it and it was in the if you go check it out it's on fourth line voice Darren's YouTube channel look up Marty McSorley interview it's in his it's in his extras with uh, the last gladiators uh, the documentary with Chris Nyland. and so people comment and they're like oh he sounds like a psychopath and that is the fucking blueprint of what an enforcer does and you can tell. The way he talks, he took it serious. There was none of this good luck before we fight. There was no, oh, I'm going to shake your hand afterwards or, you know, (coughs) say good fight afterwards. There was none of that. And he talks about it, and it was, um, was it Doug Evans, I think it was, said Doug Evans was taking liberties with Gretzky. He took liberties with me, so at one point. He turned to him, hit him down on the ice, and he hit him, knocked him out, and you could actually see the video on YouTube. Hits him while he's down on the ice, and, I mean, like, I, obviously, if you're just listening to this audio format, you can't see the video, but, I mean, Marty comes from, like, up here and just slugs it right down. Almost like if you ever watch Trailer Park Boys where you got bubs all the way, you fucking want one, you know, right? Um, well, he gave him one, so... Uh, I do think Marty McSorley found his stride and his prime will always be kind of remembered as the LA Times and the Edmonton Times. Um, although he did have the legendary fight with Probert while he was with Pittsburgh, but he ended up going to LA right after that. He actually started his career in Pittsburgh too, which is kind of funny. Um, but when I think of Marty McSorley, I, I got to go LA here for um, for him simply because one, he was traded there at request from Gretzky. So that tells you how good he was. And two, he was just, just a great enforcer. He really was. So I got Marty McSorley going to the rafters in LA. Um, The next one, another Edmonton oiler, but this one will be staying in Edmonton as far as the Jersey retirement goes. And with it, you know, saying that you probably tell who it is. And that is none other than Dave Semenko. Dave Semenko spent 10 seasons in Edmonton. You know, he finished out his career one season in Hartford and one season in Toronto, but when you think of Simeko, do you ever think of him in Whalers Green or Toronto Blue and White? No, you just think of him in Edmonton. And he was, you know, the the protector before McSorley came along. It was kind of him and Kevin McClelland um before McSorley came along, but Simeko to me, this is another example of a guy who was not necessarily the greatest fighter. I like if if it was between Marty and or excuse me, if it was between McSorley and Simeko, I had to pick uh, McSorley winning a fight over over Semenko any day of the week. But in terms of enforcing, this is where it comes into play again. Uh, you know, Dave Semenko allowed Gresky to beat Gresky, much like Marty did in L.A. So Dave Semenko was a phenomenal enforcer. He wasn't, like I said, he wasn't King Kong when he fought. But if he had to do greasy shit with, you know, get the stick work going, throw an elbow up and... Send a point across not to take liberties with the Oilers. He was he was gonna do it and it was the same thing kind of mentality as uh McSorley. There's none of this good good fight, good luck, you know, respect the code, blah blah blah, happy horse shit and sunshines and rainbows. It was you were throwing the fuck down and you're gonna quit playing fuck around. So I mean, like I said, 10 seasons in Edmonton. Actually, it was his fight card I noticed was really... It was one. That once I got here to Samenko on HockeyFights.com, the fight cards were just fucking minimal. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to waste my time and provide inaccurate information because I provide nothing but the finest quality for all you beautiful listeners. I kid because it's fucking terrible. But nonetheless, um, yeah, so I got Dave Samenko out there in um, Edmonton. The next one. All the the next guys are, you know, let me see here. What do we got? The next uh, four or five guys actually played quite a few seasons with uh, each team. And these are the ones I really think there's like a strong case for. There's a couple honorable mentions, but once you start getting to like the eight season mark, is when, um, it's when it really kind of starts getting after it a bit in terms of you should probably retire the number. And the next one is Mick Vucotto with the New York Islanders. And I know people are going to say, well, he did the knee pull thing and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? You're in a fight. If you have to do it, you got to do it. Um, but I mean, playing 10 seasons for that long with the Islanders and he should, and I know Joe is going to say it and I've said it too. even though he played on Tampa that was when Tampa was actually a really tough fucking team. Um, but he should have he should have been an Islander for life, uh, for sure. Should have never gone anywhere else to uh, Tampa, or uh, fuck, what's the other team? I can't even think of it. Was it the Rangers? No, it wasn't the Rangers. Maybe it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, all I remember because I, I say, again when I think of Big Vukota, I think of the Islanders. So that's why it's um, you know blurred blurred lines there. I just remember he was with Tampa because I have a buddy who collects Tampa enforcer jerseys actually, and he has a Vukota. Um, but I don't think I really need to sell you on Mick Fukoda. I know he doesn't have the biggest fan base because of, you know, his his kind of the the knee lift and and body slam tactic and technique, but you gotta do what you gotta do. You're gonna fight. So I gotta I gotta give it to Mick Fukoda there, and he should probably definitely um, have his number retired with the New York Islanders. It was funny, actually. I got a lot of a lot of suggestions for Gillies. I'm like, you guys do know he has his number retired, right? And same thing with like Terry O'Reilly. Um like O'Reilly has his number retired. And I don't think people realize the NHL really doesn't have a lot of tough guy jerseys retired. the The minor leagues have done a treme- I won't say they've done a tremendous job, but they definitely shine more light on the tough guys. And um, like you have Toprowski, McFarlane in Quad City. You had Mike DeGurse, his numbers retired in Huntsville. Uh, I think Baya Lois was retired in Philly. Excuse me. Um and a couple others I can't think of off the top of my head, but I know the minor leagues did a lot better job of retiring tough guy numbers and stuff like that. So um uh, it is what it is. But I think the NHL should absolutely do it, which is what the whole premise of this episode. Um next one. Uh obviously my personal favorite and if you've listened to the podcast, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But Chris Knuckles and Island with Montreal, ten seasons there. Um Oh, real quick, while I'm thinking about it too, because when I say ten seasons, obviously I include the last season he played there. And I know there was the gap between uh, when he played with Boston and New York, so um, ten seasons in Montreal, and I included that with all the guys whether they played. I think if unless they played like only like two games, then I didn't include the season there. But I'll just say parts of you know ten seasons or whatever. So Chris Nyland with Montreal. Uh, you guys obviously know I'm a huge Chris Nyland fan and if you haven't checked out his documentary, it's great. Uh, The Last Gladiators. his book was really solid. He does a podcast now, but f- to be with Montreal, and I mean, he was kind of the lone gun there too. Uh, that was another reason why I think he should have his, um, excuse me, have his numbers My ear just popped. Jesus Christ. I'm all fucking, I'm all over the place tonight. Um, mm-hmm. No, so that's another reason I think uh, it, it holds more weight to have his number retired there because, like I said, he was kind of lone gun. He had Kordick there for a little bit, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't the same as having, like, a Joe Kosher and Bob Probert on the ice because for how many years they spent together, um, there was only a couple seasons. Or maybe it was only even one season. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But uh, another guy, same thing as, like, the McSorley and Semenko. Not the greatest fighter of all time. Uh, I'm not blind to it, even though was, uh, Chris Island's my all-time favorite. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that oh, you know, Nyland's number one of all time. No, but in terms of enforcing, on the other hand, that is where he may be. I uh, put him in top five, I believe, um, and or just outside of top five. I think I might have had him at six or seven. Um, he'll to get a message across and to protect the boys on the ice. He'll fucking do it. He didn't. It didn't matter if he had to run somebody. If he had to th- throw an elbow, get somebody with the stick, we saw what he did to I think it was Rick Middleton. Greasy fucking play, by the way, it really was. Uh, but sending a sending a message, getting the point across, you got to do it. And you know he started the brawl in the hall versus Boston. And you know for being an American-born player, he's still recognized like, like the the amount of people that love him up there in Montreal. It's insane. When I went to visit him. Uh, a few years back, everywhere we went, ever like just knew him immediately. It was Chris Island, Chris Island, Chris Island. Like uh, the, the people up there in Montreal love him. And again, you already got 14 retired. What's adding two more up there with Ferguson and Nyland, Montreal? So, so maybe we'll get the phones hot up there in Montreal. We'll petition to have Nyland and Ferguson retired, but. Uh, I don't think I really got to sell you anymore on Chris Nyland, Stanley Cup champion, and very great technical fighter. He wasn't a power puncher. He wasn't going to knock you out, but very good technical fighter and was smart about not getting hit. And uh, when I was asking him about his fighting style, he said I couldn't go toe-to-toe because I'd get fucking killed. Uh, so I had to develop a, a tactical fighting style. So that's where his technician uh, kind of style came into play was he was like if I go toe to toe I just know it. it's because he was very undersized at the time so uh, I love Chris Nylon though and you know I encourage you to go check out his podcast over there it's a raw knuckles podcast with him and Tim Stapleton Um so that being said we will move on and this dude I actually completely forgot about because in my mind I'm thinking old school guys like I'm thinking like early 2000s uh, and prior basically with enforcers until somebody brought this name up and I was like, holy fuck, how did I miss him? And that's Chris Neal with Ottawa spent his entire career there for 15 seasons, man. Um, and again, he, Chris Neal, not the greatest fighter ever, but I mean, damn, you're playing for the Ottawa senators for 15 seasons. And you know that like, it's, I mean, he's fought, he his fight card is great. He's got a great fight card. Um, But to go that long and do it for that many years, I know his ice time at the very end of his career was very minimal. Um, You know, just age catches up to you when you play that style. And he was one of those dudes you loved. Like, you loved him if he was on your team. So, obviously, Ottawa just loved him because he never went anywhere else. And if you played against him, uh, you hated him. So, I remember my uncle couldn't stand Chris Neal growing up. Every time the Lightning would play, he's, all that fucking Neal, you know, and he'd just get mad, so... Uh, yeah, I, I'm down with Chris Neal, though, man. He was one of the last of the last of the Mohicans there before retiring. So, I really, I honestly, re- see that's another one. Like that should there's some of these that I feel like should be there's some that might be oh yeah I can kind of see him getting his number retired here and there, you know oh yeah maybe there, there's some like I I feel like you know like Vukota Nilan um and Neal those should be guys that's like yeah, retire them like tomorrow, you know. Um, and probably Bob Probert as well. So, again, I can see some of the other guys. That's ah, kind of on the fence. It's just in my opinion. This is all my opinion. This isn't, you know, uh, anybody else's. So if I missed your favoritist on the list, I, I apologize. Uh, you can motherfuck me and my messages later and tell me how stupid I am. Uh, n- nonetheless, carrying on. The next one, another one. I, I can't believe this hasn't happened already. This one should have happened a long time ago, and I still don't know if it is going to happen ever. Uh, But that's Rob Ray with Buffalo, 14 seasons. Uh, I know he had the last two seasons there with the Senators, but um, do you really ever remember Rob Ray playing for the Senators? It was only like, I don't even know if it was 10 games total because I know he was battling injuries and stuff. But Rob Ray in Buffalo, I mean, 14 fucking seasons, and he was going hard. And I know people don't like Rob Ray, In the sense that, uh, oh, his jersey came off and he did the sweater tactic and blah, blah, blah. He was a better fighter with his jersey off, which, by the way, I believe is false. I believe he was actually a better fighter with his jersey on. Um, But there was no rule against it until the Rob Ray rule, you know, Rob Ray rule came in is when it became illegal. Until then, anybody else could have took the jersey off this whole happy horseshit of, well, they just respected each other. It was the code funny because Barnaby played alongside Rob Ray and Barnaby has came out and said I have no clue I never heard of this fucking code that people go on about when I played um, so Barnaby had no clue what the fuck the code was so let me just tell you I don't think Rob Ray was sitting there well mm. do do I really want to take my jersey off it might be a little unfair for the other guy no there was none of that shit uh, McSorley had you know the spandex sleeve Bob Probert with his jersey would come off he had Dave Brown with the the really tight sleeve on his left arm. Um I mean, the modifications go on. So everybody was doing something that was just Rob Ray's thing. So, you, you know, fuck it. It is what it is, but I mean, what a great career. And I, I will say, I, I will say this every goddamn time. I talk about Rob Ray until the cows come home. He may have the most, I'm not saying he's the best, but he may have the most KOs in hockey fight history in terms of the NHL. If you go back and you watch Rob Ray fights, there's a video on YouTube. And it's funny because I've referred this to people like, that's your proof you have? I'm like, I don't, what proof do you have? Show me all the, the Probert knockouts. Because Bob Probert was a dude who was a scary fighter. He would maul you and just overwhelm you. But he was, I, I don't think Bob Probert really had like knockout power. When you see like kosher, kosher obviously had the knockout power. But even over kosher, even over Joe kosher. Rob Ray had more knockouts, I guarantee it. And there's a video, if you just search up all, like, just look up Rob Ray KOs. And it's a compilation video of all of Rob Ray's KOs that he had throughout his career. And there's more there's more KOs when it has his jersey on, for one. And two, you look at some of the guys he knocked out. And these are TKOs as well. I'm not talking about like, every single guy is knocked out cold. You know, this is, you know, he drills him and buckles a guy. You know, Pat Cote, Dennis Bonvey. Excuse me. He had the one versus Kite as well. Um, I, I mean, you go through, and it's it's a solid compilation. So I don't know if anybody out there in the NHL has had more TKO's slash KOs than Rob Ray. And that's including guys like Derek Bougard and stuff like that. Colt Noor's um, come to mind. I'm thinking like Bougard when he did it to Fedoric and Gillies. And then he had Colt Noor who did he did it to a couple guys. Um, but I remember his one versus... Um, uh, who the hell was it? Did I just, Fedorik. Yeah, Fedorik as well. He was with, he was with the Rangers. Um, but I'm telling you, I'm down with Rob Ray. The 32 should be in the rafters 100% um, up there in Buffalo. And there's a strong case to be made for it. And, again, go check out Rob Ray KO compilation. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, the next guy is, this is one that you might be on the fence with, but for me, with what he did, he was a lone gun out in this franchise for a long time, a very technical fighter. Again, not the greatest fighter, but a very solid enforcer, and that's uh, Tim Hunter out there in Calgary. I think he played 10 seasons for Calgary, and he did a very good job at, uh, you know, the role. And we, we've we all seen the legendary clip of him and Dave Brown, and, I mean, this is Dave Brown he's beaking off to, and, you know, that's not like... Uh, that's not somebody I'd want to ever, ever mouth off to in a hockey game, but you know you hear him, and as I brought up earlier with Dave Brown and his really tight jersey, it was a modification he did for people for context in that video where he says, you know, how about you get your sweater around your arm a little tighter, you pussy? That's where it comes from because Brown did the the jersey trick where he had the sweater really tight around his arm so you you almost couldn't grab it. Um but lone gun out there, he did the cross grip and he would switch hands and very technical fighter, He's not a big power puncher. But um, again, this one might not be that popular, but I think you know, 10 seasons with a franchise is a tough guy and a lone gun at that with minimal help. Uh, almost like a nylon. I, I, you got to do it at least um, show some recognition for it and appreciate you know what he brought to the table for that team. Uh, the next guy leads the leads the NHL in all-time fights for the most career with, I think, 333, I believe it is. But Ty Domi and Toronto, that's that should almost be a no-brainer for me. That should be, well, I don't know. Toronto doesn't really like physical hockey now, so maybe that's, just, that's the dark times. We don't talk about the time we had Ty Domi or Colton or, you know, in the lineup. We don't talk about that, but I kid. But Toronto, uh, 11 seasons with them. Tidomi and I don't need to really sell anybody on Domi. I know people don't like his antics where he had, you know, the speed bag going and he had the, the the championship belt and everything like that after the Probert fight. But I mean, I I remember Darren said at the time he was like, "Look at this fucking shit, but it like grew on him more." And I I'm all for post-fight antics like, you know, oh, there's no respect. Fuck that, man. It's a it's a fist fight on ice. Um, you know, you're not there to play patty cake and Ty Domi was, I think he was when I, I kind of did a poll or like a questionnaire, and I asked actually was he kind of the first guy to really start doing post fight celebrations like make it big, um, in the NHL, and somebody kind of said like a couple people maybe have done stuff here and there, but Domi was really kind of like the first to uh, make it make it bigger like make it a bigger deal until uh, Mark Messier, you know, came in and told him to cut the shit. But uh, yeah, Domi. Eleven seasons with Toronto, and he had three hundred thirty-three career fights. I don't really need to sell you on them, but legendary, legendary career. Um, I forget what it is. it's. It's it was this kid with uh, oh, he was with Carolina of all teams. Poor, poor Max Domi ends up in Carolina. Although I think he's going to be in a different team this year. Um, but yeah, so Ty Domi, I got him. Put put the number twenty-eight up in the rafters in Toronto. Damn it, I know that's uh a. a Big question to ask because physical hockey is a no-no in that franchise. We don't, they don't like to go into the corners and get dirty. So uh, this next one is the least amount of seasons played, I think. Um, and the reason reason being, I put him here is the time that he did have with this franchise. Uh, he was a fucking force, and everybody still remembers this name. Of course, Tony Twist was St. Louis. He spent six seasons there, really more like five. I think of Tony Twist in the, his prime years, so it was about five years with St. Louis. I, I have six seasons on here, but the first one was before he went to Quebec. So um, you know he's with St. Louis, and he went to Quebec, and then came back to St. Louis. But that's what I think of Tony Twist is his second stint with St. Louis, and uh, I mean. Wh- Fuck, that was like changing of the guard time when it was like uh the it was the the era where kind of it was pretty much him and McCarthy with uh, Sandy McCarthy were kind of going head to head at who's going to take the belt from Probert because Probert started to uh you know he's getting older he started to fade a little bit with Chicago so uh in comes Twist and Sandy McCarthy and that was like one A one B but the time Twist uh, spent with St Louis I mean it was noted people like it was hard for him to almost get fights because he just, he had that right hand. He had that Joe Coaster, like right hand and he would just come back from like three States away and swing at your face. And he wasn't punching at you. He was punching through you. Like he tried to get like his mentality on the roll and how serious he took it. Um, and so I, and maybe I'm drawn a little bit more towards twist. I'm a fan. So maybe I'm a, it's a fan pick in my, in my, uh, aspect, uh, or excuse me, in that aspect of it. But, um, I mean the the tag team he had with him and Chase. Now I thought Twist meant more to Toronto or Toronto back with Domi. I thought Twist meant more to uh, St. Louis than Chase did. Not saying anything, but I, he was obviously the more dominant fighter. It's kind of like the same thing with Probert and Coaster. I think Probert was, yeah, you remember him as being the dominant one over Coaster, but that's not a bad problem to have at all. Uh, same thing with the the Blues Brothers out in St. Louis, um, him and Chase. So you, could, I'm sure there's an argument to be made for Chase, but. I put um, I put Twister on here just because he was so dominant in his time with St. Louis. Uh, you know, he broke the hell out of Rob Ray's face, which we actually you can go back on my YouTube and check out the video of Rob Ray talking about that insane story. Uh, I had Rob Ray on quite a quite a while ago; it's probably almost two years ago now at this point. Um, so that's a tremendous uh, tremendous episode. You can listen all about that fight, but you know is. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really need to sell you on Tony Twist. I lo- the mentality he had was he fought to really just, pr- like, send a message. He wasn't sitting there like, oh, let's just get it over with. Like, he was, it was almost like he was, his eyes would, like, turn like a shark, you know, when you smell blood in the water, and Twist would just turn it on. And it was, it was nonstop when it was – as soon as he woke up and it was a game day, it was on, like, you know, morning skate. He's there uh, mentally – uh, getting into the like, mentally preparing for the game and getting an opponent's head. He sits on their bench, read the newspaper, like gets a sweat going. And you could, you could see the interview. Uh, it's also on Darren's YouTube channel with, uh, it's an extra in the last gladiator. So to go check that one out, it's like Tony twist interview or Tony twist talks about the role of enforcer, I think is what it is. Um, so that might be that might be the most controversial pick on the list here, just because he it was such a short time. I really wish I really really wish we could have seen where he ended up with uh, whether it was because I heard the two teams that were possibly in contention for him was I, it was Boston and Philadelphia. So I don't know. It looked weird seeing Twist in anything else but the St. Louis Blues jersey. So who knows? But yeah, I'm down with Tony Twist, man. I, I love Tony Twist, and I. What more can I say about him? So the next guy, and forgive me for not knowing too, too much about his playing days simply because it was just so long ago and I can only go off a video, but Stan Jonathan with Boston – uh, seven seasons, so that's only you know, one more than twist. It might be kind of, like you said, eh, but I mean, Stan Jonathan was tough. One of the pound, Everybody regards him as one of the pound, prof- eh, pound for pound, easy for me to say. <laughs> pound for pound, toughest dudes to play uh, in Boston. You know, you got, you got O'Reilly up in the rafters, and I know O'Reilly was the better player than Jonathan, but yeah, seven seasons ain't bad. Ain't bad for being a tough guy. Uh, and like uh, the way he fought was just straight up toe to toe, uh, morasty, like where it was, you know, it wasn't going to sit there and try to grab hold and, you know, do whatever. I remember it was, uh, Chris Nyland actually, when I had Nyland on the podcast and said, uh, Stan Jonathan, that humbled him real quick. And, you know, he figured, I gotta, fi- I gotta do something and change something. That's where it came in. Cause, Busted Chris Nyland open. I think it was like his first game, first first fight. Talk about going into the deep end fighting Stan Jonathan. Um, but yeah, Stan Jonathan was a bad dude. So I I I would love to see it retire in Boston again. I could see it bound to be an eh, maybe not, but uh, I think it should be. So next one, another another kind of iffy one, but in, I could see it. Especially now, I think people seem to enjoy him a lot now too as well. Um, and he was a, probably the nicest enforcer you'll ever meet. And that was almost his downfall. But George LaRoc with Edmonton, he played eight seasons in Edmonton. And that was really, that was his prime. When he left Edmonton and he went with Pittsburgh and then uh, Montreal, and he had the one little season, I think it was one season with Phoenix. But every time I think of George Larocque, I think of Edmonton. And the run he had there, that was another changing of the guard. So that was when it went from the McCarthy uh, and twist, and then in comes LaRock, right? So changing of the guard from Probert to McCarthy and twist, and now, we're in, like I said, in steps George LaRock. And not a big power puncher, but he would just overwhelm guys. He was kind of like that in tight. He would get you in real close. and uh, But from all accounts, guys who fought him say, one of the strongest dudes that they have ever fought. One of his techniques that I've, I've, I forget where I heard he was on a podcast and was talking about this. Um, but one of the things he did to train himself to better his grip, and this is insane. He would do pull-ups, but he would do it like holding, he would wrap a towel. I can't remember if it was just one towel or if he'd wrap two towels around and like grab the, grab the towels and start doing pull-ups, uh, off the towels and, put his chin over the bar that way uh, to strengthen his grip. So every t- so he wouldn't slip as much. Um, so that just shows you how dedicated he was to the role. And I know George says he doesn't like fighting, but man, uh, he was good at it. We'll put it that way. So, and everybody in Edmonton still loves George LaRock. You know, it was legendary. He scored that hat trick versus, I think it was LA. Um, how many tough guys can say they scored a hat trick, right? So, uh, but George LaRock out in Edmonton, very dominant fighter. And again, that was the second, like the changing of the guard uh, from Twist and McCarthy, like I said, in-step George Rock, And you could really count on probably two hands how many fights he lost. He did not lose many. So uh, I'm down with George LaRock getting retired out in Edmonton. And the next one, this one, I, I I'm, it's going to be kind of short because I have no footage to go off of, and it was way before my time. But Nick Fatio with the New York Rangers, he played eight seasons, and he's from New York. By all accounts, if you ask New York fans, um, he was King Kong. you couldn't be stopped, but I, I, I personally have just never been too impressed with the footage that's out there of Nick Fatiyu. So one sec, I'm going to throw a chew in here in a second, but the footage that I've seen, i am just not too impressed with, but I'm not saying that Fatiyu's is bad or anything like that. It's just, I've just, the footage isn't there and you need to seeing is believing. Right. So unfortunately that's what I have to go off of. But again, from all accounts, he was a great fighter. Um, and he meant a lot to the city of New York. And I, I, I think I've talked about it with Steve and he said the same thing. Um, one sec here. Um, Steve kind of said the same thing. Footage hurts him, but um, from all accounts, fucking just absolute killer. So uh, I threw Fatio in there. Again, if, if you have any Fatio footage, by all means, please share it with myself or Darren. Email Darren um, or get a hold of one of us. And hopefully they can convert that over uh, to YouTube. But like I said, um, I had to throw him in there because it's just the, it's the legend of it. Right. Um, the, the the folklore around Nick Fatiu is just too much. I, I, f- I would have felt bad leaving him off this list. So I, I had to throw him on there. So that's all I'll say. Like I guess I can't go off of too too much because way ahead of my time, right? Um, but the next guy is one of the best enforcers of all time, if not the best enforcer of all time. Again, that's subjective uh, because everybody says Bob Prober, but Dave Brown in Philadelphia. He spent 10 seasons there in Philly. And you want to talk about a dude who didn't abide by the code that everybody talks about and just didn't give a shit? That was Mr. Dave Brown. He uh, <laughs> He was mean. Lefty, he didn't give a shit if you were down. He'd hit you while you're down. We all saw what he did to uh, Tomas uh, Sandstrom, <laughs> and the uh, the old coho to the the face, which is just fucking it is brutal. Um, you know, laugh about it a little bit today, but I mean, yeah, let's be real, it's fucking brutal. But talk about a guy who just the ultimate enforcer and one of the best fighters. See, that was one of the best things about. Dave Brown and Bob Probert was not only because there's a, I've always said, and Darren has said it too. There's a difference between being a good fighter and a good enforcer, but if you could be a good fighter and a good enforcer, that's, that's money in the bank. And that's what Bob Probert was. And you got Dave Brown. Um, I know we had time in Edmonton and then it's very, very, very last season with San Jose, which I'm sure nobody remembers, but, um, for his time in Philly is what I got. That is, you know, kind of the pinnacle of Dave Brown. Uh, in his career, so you you got legendary fights he's had, um, I for for whatever reason, I always think of, and even though it's with Edmonton, I always remember his fight in the Battle of Alberta with Jim Kite when he's throwing (laughs) throwing hands at them while they're on the ground, because Kite's on his back, takes a swing up at Dave Brown, and Dave Brown was kind of calmed down a little bit, but after that all bets are off and he goes after and just starts ground pounding Jim Kite, um I always think of that for some reason, but I don't I don't consider him an Edmonton Oiler. But I also think of the time where he went out, and it was the pregame. I think it was 87, Philly and Montreal, the pregame brawl between the two. And this was uh, there was no officials on the ice, so nothing could be stopped. And Dave Brown goes out there, tarp off, and he has to fight Chris Nylon Or excuse me, Chris Nylon has to fight him because he's stepping up to him. And uh, no one else is there to go with Dave Brown, but Nylon did pretty well for himself for a tarpless uh, Dave Brown out there. But, yeah, I'm down with Dave Brown, and it'd be cool to see his number retired. And did I skip over one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it? I might have deleted a name by accident, now that I've just thought about it. Dave Schultz. Um I think he only spent five seasons. That was the one I was like, oh, maybe I was looking through. Yeah, I must have deleted it by accident when I was trying to go through all my numbers. But uh real quick before I get to the last pick, but Dave Schultz. uh the guy who started the arms race for Enforcers and he started, he brought in that mentality of, you know, maul you and just beat you in the ice and intimidate you. He's a l- dude who had f- over 400 penalty minutes in a single season. I don't think that record will ever be broken, especially in today's game where I think the most penalties in the season now is like <laughs> maybe like 120, maybe. And that's really a lot of it's not even fights. So. That's just today's game. But, I mean, yeah, Dave Schultz, how can he not be down with that? As a, am actually really surprised Philly hasn't retired his number yet, now that I'm thinking about it, because Philly, they love their tough guys. They really do. So um, I don't know why why he wouldn't be up there. I'm really thinking about that. I'm trying to wrap my, my head around it now, why he actually isn't up there, because they loved him so much. And I know John out in the U.K. is like, he'd be down for a Dave Schultz jersey retirement in a to Hell, he'd probably take, the, uh, take a flight over here to – the U S and uh, watch the Jersey retirement ceremony. I can almost guarantee that. Uh, Cause John's a flyer fan out there in the UK, but um, yeah, somehow sorry guys, I guess that got mixed up real professional podcast I have here, but the last guy I will have before I get to the two honorable mentions. <clears throat> and this was a sleeper pick. People might not realize this one, but Paul laws out in Florida, nine seasons and Paul laws is, is in, in the fight world. Now, at this point, I don't think he's quite underrated. Um, because he's been talked about as underrated so much that he almost is known. He's like, oh, yeah, Paul Laws is underrated. That's what everybody says. And it's like, is he though? If you're a fight fan, you know, Paul Laws is not underrated. But to regular people, they hear names like the Bob Proberts, the Tony Twist. Everybody knows that. So they might not. That, that's where I think the Paul Laws thing gets underrated. But you can go check, check, uh, check Paul Laws fights out and, uh, he didn't lose many at all. Um, one of the toughest dudes, and I think injuries is what got him. So, but he spent his entire career with Florida, and hell of a job, man. Dude was just tough as fucking nails. So, and I think that was the longest ten year enforcer that Florida had. I'm trying to think of who else they might have had. They'd Hortichuk for a little bit, Peros, um, Thornton, but I don't think they. I I remember the, the battles with Tampa and Florida back in the day when Laws was there. That was when Tampa had, like, McCarthy, um, Vukota, Poshek, Shikoni, all at the same time. At one point, yeah, Tampa had that stacked-ass roster of tough guys. Um, It was insane. But, yeah. Paul Laws, I'm definitely down with that pick. Um, The last two are honorable mentions. Um, I'll do three because I got a third one. But... The first one, controversial pick, because I know he's a very either love him or you hate him in the world of hockey fights, but Donald Brashear out in Vancouver, I think there's a case to be made for him possibly in like Philly or even Washington, but when I think of Donald Brashear, the the problem I have with Donald Brashear, um, it wasn't his fight style, but his time in Vancouver as a fighter, he was starting to get good towards his later years in Vancouver. Um, and really starting to build, build a name for himself. And I know people don't like his kind of fighting style. It was kind of pull you in, uh, the noogie punches, as people say, huggy bear, but, and I'm not even a Brashear fan, but you can't deny he didn't lose many and it worked for him and it worked well. And Brashear was just a dominant, dominant fighter. So I think a, um, I think a case can be made for Donald Brashear to have his Jersey retired out there in Vancouver. And one of the other guys in Vancouver actually is Tiger Williams. Uh, is his number retired? Is his number already retired? I gotta look that up. But I thought I don't think it was, but maybe it is. Uh, Jersey retirement. Maybe it is. I don't. I, I swore. Reveals retirement plans. Man, no, 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 that's not it. No, I don't. I didn't see. I don't see anything. Uh, Twenty-seven later, retired in honor of. So, maybe it was retired. I, I, I'm looking this up. Maybe it is. I don't think it was, though. I really don't think it was. Vancouver. A real professional podcast. I should have looked this up before, but I thought about that, like, as I was recording, or I was getting ready to hit record. I was like, fuck, I missed Tiger Williams. Um, retired jerseys. But, I mean, Tiger Williams, league, league leader in penalty minutes. No, it's not retired. Okay, that's what I thought. I was about to say, maybe... I don't know why, maybe I thought it was for a second, but um, no, so Tiger Williams, I mean league leader in penalties all time, and you know, you can't really say, for some reason every time I think of Williams, uh, I don't think of necessarily his fights, I always think of him riding the stick after he scored the goal, and uh, oh boy, little Gates is barking out there, sorry I'm trying to rush the end here, but gotta run the dog out. The problem is I don't have very good video editing skills for the Zoom video. I don't have a good software on here. My software is all on my iPad, and it would just take too long to uh, record the... Uh, transfer everything over and edit it over there, so I apologize here, but... Yeah, Tiger Williams, I'm down with him. We're getting retired out there, and... uh Well, his number's already retired with Sedin because he was 22, so I don't know. Would you do a... Because I think Montreal did the... Um, What's it called? They they split two of the, uh, what's it called? Two of the numbers, or they split two guys between a number, I believe. So, again, real professional podcast here. Just to double check this. Yeah, so twenty two is already retired with Sadine, so I don't know how that would work. Um, But, again, I think an argument could be made for him. But the last player I have on here is Ben Wilson. And another dude who, great fighter, great enforcer, Ben Wilson was fucking mean. And I think a case could be made for him out in Philly. I just don't think the longevity is there. But as a fight fan, I want to see Ben Wilson's number get retired. Um, Steve's talked about it before with Darren that you never really heard talks of, like, the champ in the league until Ben Wilson came along. And obviously, you know him with the Chicago days and he had the back injury and, um, kind of, his career got cut short, but his time in Philly, he was, he was a bad fucking dude. And I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. Cause it's all a little bit older stuff. So again, this is way before my time, but or, <laughs> I mean, knocks the dude out and then gives him an extra shot when he's down. I mean, brutal shot too. It wasn't like a quick little jab. It was like cock back and get after it. So, um. Yeah, I'm definitely down with Ben Wilson. So hopefully, you know, I might have missed a couple guys here and there, but to me, those are the guys I feel like their numbers should be retired by their respective franchises. Um, and I, like I said, a couple factors played into this because there's, there's definitely tough guys who have played a couple more seasons like Andre Wall with Tampa, but I don't think his impact as an enforcer and with the franchise was quite good enough to have his number retired. I would, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would have complain if it was, but um, – Those are guys I think that should have their jersey numbers retired. So uh, hopefully you guys agree and tell me if I missed anybody that you think should have been on there. But I got to get going. I got to run out of here. We got the dogs. Um, The joys of owning a new puppy. Although he's getting a little bit better. I named him him Gates after Link Gates and he's living up to the name. He's a crazy motherfucker. Uh, Does zoomies all the time and definitely keeps us on our toes. It's almost like we have a Link Gates in here. I'm just waiting for him to beat the fuck out of me and make his own breakfast in the uh, (laughs) in the kitchen. If you know that story, um, there was a story about Link Gates and uh, I forget who he was with, but somebody was taking too long. They were like a Denny's or something taking too long to get his order. So he like threw the chef out of the kitchen and just started making his own breakfast in the back uh, at the Denny's. I think it was or like a Waffle House, something like that. But so that's where that comes from. But. Anyways, guys, I got to get out of here. Thank you very much for tuning in. I encourage you to check out the podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um give it a follow, I'm always posting there, if you follow the YouTube channel, you'll be up to date on all the East Coast League fights, uh, hopefully I can get an interview out for you guys here in a bit if not, I got a Q&A episode I'm going to do, and I'll probably end up recording that this weekend, so, anyways guys, gotta get going, take it easy, hope you guys enjoyed the episode, thank you very much for tuning in, I will catch you all on the next one you got